Welcome to Navigating Life, a podcast by Lighthouse Baptist Church. We're continuing in our series seven again this week, and Pastor Tim is bringing us a message out of Revelation about the Church of Thyatira. Let's see how this applies to our lives as we listen and learn together. Seven is the series we're in. has nothing to do with the movie, by the way. Uh, there's, uh, I, I want to take just a moment to bring those up to speed who've not been here the last few weeks uh, or, and, and to kind of remind others who have what, what we're talking about. Uh, this, uh, this series called Seven is named that because of the seven churches that a letter was written to in the book of Revelation. So you have the Apostle John was at, at this point in time when he wrote this, uh, this book, Revelation. By the way, it's, it's singular, not plural. There's one revelation. We are in no need of more revelation. Uh, the, the, the revelation was given to us. We don't need more scripture. What we need to is obey what we've already been given. <laughs> So often we get on our knees and pray, God, show me, should I do this or should I do that? And God said, I already wrote it to you in a letter. Go read it. You know, and then we're like, why don't you, why, I can't hear from God. Well, you all, you all, he's already written you a letter. You know, go read it. He's given us everything we need in this Bible to live a life according to his will. So at any rate, we, we're um, in this, this these, going through these seven letters uh, that... <clears throat> John wrote, John is the, um, uh, the last remaining um, apostle at that time. They have arrested John and placed him on this, this island called Patmos. And, and it's a prison island. You, you kind of think of Alcatraz, but this was kind of like that, except there's no walls. They, they just put him out there on, on this big island, and, and they're so far away from anything else. They say, I mean, if you can swim, make it. You know, knock yourself out. But... It's impossible. So he lives out his days here, and, and they put him out there because he keeps, he keeps teaching the gospel, and they keep telling him to shut up, and he won't do it. And so they say, we'll put you out here, and, and you know, you witness to those people out there. And, you know, and, and they think they're silencing him by doing this, and God comes to him, Jesus comes to him in a vision, and gives him a word that we're still studying today. Just goes to show you it don't matter what man wants to do or tries to do or to what efforts he goes through, you cannot stop the preaching of the gospel. It's going to, it's going to be done uh, by somebody at some point in some time because that's God's will. So, here at the opening of the book, right at the very beginning, basically, Jesus comes to uh, John and gives him a vision and he says, I want you to say this to this church, say this to this church, so forth, which is the seven churches that existed. It wasn't the only churches that existed. We don't, we don't know exactly why uh, Jesus chose these seven, but they, they were kind of in a line, and so at any rate, that, that's, that's who he, he wrote these letters to. They're all different in some ways, and they're all the same in some ways. Today's message is going to be very similar to last week's, in that it's the same three points. We're going to look at 
at, at, at what Jesus gave them as a praise, and then we're going to look at what the problem he brought out to them that, that, that exists in their church, and then we're going to talk about the promise he gave them if they remain faithful. You know, um, why, do, why are we studying these letters? I'm always very or conscientious or concerned or, um, about not just giving you information for the sake of you having more information. The Internet's full of that, you know, and some of it's true. <laughs> but I want to give you information from the Scripture that you can take and do something with. Listen, if you leave this place today with more knowledge and no more obedience, you have wasted your time. I want you to leave here and do something with what he's given you. You know, so that, that's the whole point of us looking at these seven churches is for us to hold them to us like a mirror to see, hey, does this, does this resemble us? Do we find ourselves in the and we will find ourselves in a promise, but do we find ourselves in a problem? Do we find ourselves in a praise? You know, do we need to make adjustments? Many times we do. But um, that's why we're going through these seven letters. So I will tell you this. The, uh, today's letter is to Thyatira. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 29. Uh, as, and as this letter to Thyatira uh, is the longest letter of the seven. Some of you already know what that means, right? It ain't my fault, okay? You know, that, that we, you know I hope you packed the lunch, right? No. Uh, we're we're going to cover it in the same amount of time. But there, uh, it is the longest letter uh, of the seven. Is that significant? I think so. Uh, you, know, you know, if I have to give somebody a little bit more instruction, it takes a little bit longer, and, and, and that means they need more instruction typically, right? Um, you know, it may be that they've done more wrong, or it may be that they just don't listen as well. I don't know. But in this particular case, we know that, that it's the longest letter of the seven, so Jesus had a lot to say to Thyatira. Uh, which is, is, is the city that this, this church is in. So let's read, starting in verse 18. I'm reading from the CSB as, as, as custom for me, but um, it is the letter to Thyatira. Verse 18 says, Write to the angel of the church. Now, uh, we've already talked about how uh, the angel of the church is the pastor, we believe, but uh, it does, he's not saying write to the angel as in he has a halo and he's perfect. You know, it, it, the pastor is the messenger to the people. God speaks through the pastor to the people. That's how he does it. God took Moses up on the mountaintop and he said, you tell this to the people. And, and he's sitting him back down. That's how God did. When God wanted to get a message to someone here on earth, <clears throat> so often he sent an angel as a messenger. So that's what he's saying here, right to the angel or the messenger of the church in Thyatira. Thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. I'm going to explain this and then, um, 
we're going, we're going to try to read through the rest of it. But uh, what does he mean by this? Uh, Revelations is a difficult book to study through and to teach because there's so much imagery here and, and we have to figure out what this means and that means. So let me tell you what I believe uh, he's, he's saying here. When he says he has eyes like, um, uh, like a fiery flame, he gives a description of himself being Jesus uh, different at, to each church. I believe here... He's, he's using this imagery of eyes like a firing flame because think about where do you get most of your knowledge of your surroundings from? In other words, how do you know what's going on around you typically? You see it, right? And then we hear things. That, yeah, we gather information from all of our senses. But for the most part, I, I know what, what you're doing based off of what I see you doing. Right? Not what I hear sometimes, but, you know, for the most part. So I, and, and here I think Jesus is saying, I see you, and, I, and, and it's a fiery flame. In other words, uh, it's different from what everybody else's vision is. How many of you have been walking through the mall and saw somebody walking around with flames shooting out their eyes? Now, now when, you're, when your kid brought home their report card or some, you know, some letter from the teacher, you, your eyes might have felt like they had fiery flames, and, and when the kid looks at you, they probably saw those fiery flames, and, and, and I think that's what Jesus is saying, I'm looking at you differently, I'm, I'm seeing through things, fire burns through things, it purifies things, it, 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 it removes all, uh, a lot of stuff and then leaves what's in the middle, and I think Jesus is saying, I see things that nobody else sees and what you're trying to hide, and then he says, with feet like fine bronze. Now, bronze was a metal that was used by warriors. And they, they made their shields and, and other stuff with it and, and, and their uh, spears. And, and, and so, but it was, it was a symbol of a fine, strong warrior. So he said, not only do I see what you're doing, I'm going to take action on it. Right? What do you think of when you think of a warrior? It's a man of action. Someone's going to do something. And so I think Jesus is saying here, I see what you're doing, and I'm going to do something about it. Now, that's not necessarily good, okay? Let's, let's read on, but just keep that in mind as we read. Verse 19. He says, I know your works. Your love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. I know... Your last works are greater than your first. Now, isn't that a little bit surprising? It's a little bit of change of tone. Uh, when, when thinking about, he's got his eyes of fire and he's, you know, these feet of bronze, and, and you know, and then I say, and then he says, "I know your works." I, I'm thinking when I read this, uh oh, what's coming? What, what is it? he knows, right? He says, "Love your love." He said, you, "Your your faithfulness." Um, service, endurance. He said, I know your last works are greater than the first. In other words, you're growing, you're getting better. Verse 20, but I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality. 
and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. That sound familiar? If you were here last week and, and, and you're listening, we, we talked about, he, he said the same thing to Pergamum. He says, look, well, let me back up. He says, uh, you tolerate a woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent. Listen, we serve a merciful God. He said, I, I, I gave her some time. She's refused. So I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great affliction, unless they repent of her works. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I'm the one who examines minds and hearts. And I will give to each of you according to your works. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who haven't known the so-called secrets of Satan, as they say, I am not putting any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. Then he quotes Psalms. He says, And he will rule with them with an iron scepter. He will shatter them like pottery. Just as I have received this from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. So, look, this is a um, heavy message. I, I'm just, I don't, those of you friends with me on social media, on Facebook, I, I posted this morning, I, I'm just heavily burdened about this message. I believe the church at Thyatira, most closely resembles the church in America than any of the others. And I'm going to show you that. Uh, why? Now, does it most closely um, resemble Lighthouse? I sure hope not. <laughs> I sure hope not. Uh, but here's the thing. You know, sometimes when we read things in Scripture, we're like, well, oh, that's not me. So I don't have to worry about it, right? You read across, Scripture says, hey, don't do this. You're like, yeah, I don't do that. So I'm, I'm, okay. I'm good, right? I don't, I don't need, no. When it says don't do that, it, 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 that's different than saying quit doing that. You see? We don't need to just quit doing certain sins. We need to avoid other sins as well. So just because we're not Thyatira today does not mean that we won't become Thyatira if we don't look out for becoming Thyatira. So, so you see, that's where I want us to, to, to examine. Are we, and if we are, what do we need to do about that? How do, we, how do we fix that? And if we're not, how do we make sure we don't become that? But here's the thing, I want you to see, I'm afraid, the growing church in America is Thyatira. Let's look first at the praise he gives them. 
Verse, verse 19, uh, we see this. Uh, he, he, we'll read over that real quick again. It says, I know your works. You know, and, and then he goes and tells the, the works. And this is good stuff. Love, faithfulness, service, endurance. I, I know your last works are greater than the first. So you're loving people. You're enduring hardships. Uh, you're, you're being faithful to me and to your community and to the people around you. And, and listen, and you're, doing, you're growing. You're doing more and more and more. He's saying, I see you, Thyatira. I see you. I, I see your love for others has led you to be faithful and to serve them. See, not only have you been serving others, you, you're getting better at it as time goes. They were good at food pantries. They, they had clothing banks galore. They're, they're handing out nice clothes. They're, they're taking care of the poor people around them. They're paying people's electric bills. They're handing out, they're, they're handing out food out of trucks. And, and, and you know, they're cutting people's hair for free at, 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 at Easter. And they're, they're doing all of these good things. And listen, there's nothing wrong with it. He's praising them. There's no... There's no you know, hidden agenda. It's not like he, he's being honest. He's saying, this is good. And I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm saying amen. I'm saying we, as a church, should be reaching our community and meeting physical needs and showing the love of Christ. I love it when we go into the community and we help them tangibly. I believe we're called to, to show the love of Christ, not just to preach it, people. See, the church, the American church, especially the Baptist church, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, have become more known for what we're against than what we're for. And have become a bunch of prudes who were just constantly saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And listen, that, that may have been true, but it was the way it was being done that w w turned people's... Um, stomachs and and so now what's happened is so many churches have then swung the pendulum and quit preaching the truth and started preaching all love that love that we should be in the community showing is intended to bring those people to a place listen to me where they're ready, willing, and able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not to just be Santa Claus to our community. See, not that stuff is designed to, you know, if, 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 I'm, if I'm trying to talk to you about uh, the gospel, and your stomach's growling, which I'm, I'm, I'm careful to use this analogy as we quickly approach 12 o'clock. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like 12 o'clock, people get done, right? You know, but, you know, we, we think it's time to eat. But if, if, listen, if I'm trying to teach you the gospel of Jesus, and you're freezing cold, we're standing outside, and it's December, and it's literally sleeting, 
and, and you're wearing a short sleeve shirt and shorts because that's all you have. And I'm wearing a jacket and a coat, and I'm all warm, and everything's good. You know, I'm, I'm fine. And I'm standing here preaching to you about your eternity in, in, in hell if you don't repent, and you're, you're about to freeze to death, and your teeth are chattering. You're not hearing anything I have to say, and shame on me. I should look at you and recognize that you have a physical need I need to meet first, take my jacket off, show sacrifice to you, and then we can sit down and have a much better conversation. Would you not agree? I believe that's what the church is supposed to do. But listen, what we, we, we've taken it too far. That what, what they've done is, is, listen, meeting those physical needs is designed to show the love of Christ and then bring you to a place to where I can teach you about the gospel of Jesus, not about the three ways for you to live your best life. That's for some motivational speaker who should never call himself a preacher because that's not preaching, that's, that's just speaking. There's a difference between speaking and preaching. Speaking, the agenda is to teach you some whatever the subject is. Preaching is to convince you that Jesus Christ is your only way to salvation and apart from him, you're, you're headed to a fiery, hot hell that is an absolute real place. It's not some figment of somebody's imagination. There's a, there's a choice that you must make on this side of, of death. And if you choose to go to heaven and, and he's called you and you place your faith in Jesus, you'll spend an eternity with him. If you don't, you have defaulted to a place called Hades. And it is very real. And it says, and Scripture says, and I believe, and I know it's true, that there will be gnashing of teeth Weeping constantly, there will be nothing good there. And listen, God's not sending you there. Your own sin has sent you there. God is giving you a way to salvation in heaven if you choose that. Now listen, that, what I just said, is the gospel. By the way, that's unpopular today. It is. I get that. I understand. And, and listen, I, I'm, I don't doubt whatsoever there are people listening to me online right now or sitting in this room who just got really uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sorry for that. Because I love you. And it's, it's ridiculous that we walk around and seeing people dying and going to hell and we're more concerned about whether they like our programs at church than whether they understand their need for Jesus Christ. Loving people is not just handing them stuff. That's not, that's not being loving, just handing out stuff. See, I think serving others is great, but I'm afraid too many churches are building their identity on how much they give away to the community rather than what Christ has already given to us. May it not be ever said of Lighthouse. See, their love without focus on the Lord has led them to compromise here at Thyatira. They're really relevant. The church at Thyatira was really relevant. 
They're meeting needs in the community. Everybody loves them. They're, they're, now listen, it's the smallest church that was in, in these seven, but it got the longest letter. So you see, there was a problem. <clears throat> they were loving people, but they weren't teaching what they should be teaching. Verses 20 through 24, we see this problem. Notice here, it says, but I have this against you. That's where you know things are heading downhill, right? Jesus just said, hey, I love you. I see your love. I see you, Thyatira. I see you, man. You're killing it. You're reaching the community. Everybody loves you. You got, you got absolute awesome worship, and, and, and you're, you're, you're giving stuff away, and, you know, all this stuff is great. But <clears throat> I have this against you. And it's a biggie, real big. Notice he says, you tolerate the woman Jezebel. Now, <clears throat> let's understand, you can't understand this letter if you don't understand who Jezebel was. And, and by the way, this was not an actual person named Jezebel at Thyatira. There was a person who was acting in the spirit of Jezebel. In other words, was acting like Jezebel. There, there was no woman named Jezebel, we know that, because there would be nobody who would name their child Jezebel. How many of you know someone named Jezebel? How many of you can't wait to have a daughter so you can name her Jezebel? Nobody, have you ever seen a book of names for, for young mothers, you know, trying to pick out a name for their daughter? Jezebel was in there. Nobody has ever named a child Jezebel since the Old Testament. Go read 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 16, 17, 18, 19. It gives the story of who Jezebel is. We're going to talk about that in a podcast I'll tell you about later, but, but you go read that. I, I, I highly encourage you. It's a story of Elijah and, and, and Jezebel. And, and what's happened, as quickly as I can, I can explain it, is Elijah was this great prophet of God. One of my favorite, I say characters, people uh, of the Bible. And he was the last remaining prophet of the Lord, Yahweh. He was the only one, in other words, in his whole region who was, who was preaching and teaching the things of Yahweh. Everybody else had, had started following uh, Jezebel who was teaching them to follow this little g-god named Baal. Now, who was Baal? Baal was basically a little g-god who said anything goes. Whatever makes you feel good, you do that. If you have a, a tendency to, to, to dive into this sin, you go and do that and celebrate me uh, in, in, in that manner. If, if you want to do this sin, go do that and, and just, just celebrate me in that manner. Listen, does that sound at all familiar? That is who America is today. You want to stir a pot, tell somebody they shouldn't be doing something. It don't matter what it is. Except judging. You know, <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the, the most taken out of context scripture in all of the Bible is judge not lest ye be judged. That's right. So, have you, has, he, has anybody ever taken something you said and told somebody, hey, you know, she said this and this and, you know, and it was completely out of context? Maybe they posted something or whatever. And, or you ever, somebody said, hey, you know, he said he was going to do this. And, and it was something completely out of context and meant something completely different. Has that ever happened to you? Fire me 
up. If you're going to tell it, tell the whole story, right? Don't just tell that little part. Tell the whole story. Well, listen, how do you think God thinks when he's given us his immaculate word, his, his absolute, inerrant, infallible word of, uh, to us, and, and then we take it and twist it and turn it to say something completely different. Let me tell you something. That scripture says, judge not lest, lest ye be judged, does not mean that we should not identify sin in someone's life. It does not mean anything close to that. It means that we are not to determine whether someone goes to heaven or hell. He is to do that. It has nothing to do with how you live your life here on this earth. And and we are, in fact, Scripture tells us, uh, Paul teaches us to to identify sin in people's life and to, to help them out of that sin. He says, listen, when you see a brother with a broken bone, set it gently. He's not telling us to practice medicine. What he's saying is when you see a brother who is, who is in sin, and this is a sister too, by the way, who is in sin, you go up and help them repair that broken bone, but you do it gently. You don't run up and say, hey, brother, you better stop that. You're going straight to hell. You don't do that. You go up and you see them shivering and they're cold, and they're wearing a short sleeve shirt, and it's outside, and, and you take your jacket off, and you put it on them. And then you say, listen, you understand why you're in the position you're in right now? I just met your need. You're going to be warm now. But let's talk about how you got here. Let's talk about your gambling addiction, how, you, how you're spending frivolous money over here on this. How, uh, listen, you spent money on alcohol last night, and you don't have clothes to wear. You know, it is, it is, hey, that's sin. You need to stop this stuff. God did not tell us not to identify sin in other people's lives and to help them out of it. That's the, that's the world telling you that. Because you see, the world thinks, well, as long as we teach everybody to not identify sin, then I don't have to worry about anybody identifying my sin. Right? That's the whole premise behind it. That's why society tells you, judge not lest you be judged. That's why society has, has, has made us so afraid of speaking the truth. Because they don't want the truth spoken to them. Listen. It's not fun. I, I, I talked to some men and prayed over me before we started the first service. I said, you ever had a splinter deep in your finger? I mean, not, not just a little bit. I'm, I'm deep. And you went three or four days thinking, it'll just go away. At some point, it'll just get better if I just ignore it. It hurts, but it's going to hurt worse to get it out. So I just deal with the pain. And, and, and then at some point, you have to take a knife, and you've got to cut deep. And the longer you leave it, the worse it's going to be, right? It gets infected. It gets in your bloodstream. All kind of bad stuff could happen. At some point, you've got to take a knife and cut and get that out because that's what's best for you. It hurts in the, in, the, in the time frame, but in the end, you're going to be healthier. Listen, Jezebel was teaching, you do you. You ever heard that? You do you. Yeah, I do me. Jezebel was teaching, whatever you like, you indulge in it. As a matter of fact, We'll call it worship. 
Let me tell you something. The church in America today has been so afraid of offending people they were sending them to hell. Because we won't say, listen, that is sin. That's wrong. Notice he says here, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. She was claiming to be a teacher of God. She called herself a prophetess. Now look, notice his words, how Jesus chose his words. He didn't say, you know, you have a prophetess among you, did he? He said she calls herself a prophetess. You can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. It don't make you that, right? You can identify all kind of stuff, but it don't make you that. It, it, you can't change certain things. And, and, he, and he says she's not a prophetess. She's identifying as that, and the people are believing her. But what, so what's, what's that got to do with church? Notice he says, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants. Who, so now she's preaching and teaching and converting Christians, believers, to now indulge in the sin that she wants them to indulge in. This isn't just new people. This is, or, or, or sinners, she's not keeping people from the church. She has infiltr infiltrated the church, and she's getting people who are believers, who were servants of God, to now follow her and her teaching. This is dangerous. He, he, he goes on. He says, uh, he, he's, um, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. These are symbolic sins. These are not the only sins. Okay? But look, our world, our society today has taught us or teaches church people Sex outside of marriage is okay. This is the new age. This is 2021. And see, God didn't know somehow when he wrote that scripture how things were going to change. See, God didn't understand that it would become normal and okay in society. Back in those days, it, it wasn't, you know, but, but now things are different. And God just didn't know that when he was writing it, or he wouldn't have put it in there. So we're going to change it, and we're going to peel that sin label off, so now it's okay. And what makes sin, sin anyway? So if we take it off, then, then it's not sin anymore, right? <clears throat> you know what the problem with the church today is? You can't tell the church from the world. There's as much sexual sin involved in churches all across this land as there are in bars. There's no difference. And that is disgusting. And I believe that's why we're not long for this world. <clears throat> I believe we're living in the end times. Because Revelation talks about in the end days, everything will be permissible. You tell me something that you can't post on the internet today. It's okay. Well, there are some things, but they're actually the good things. You know, I, I mean, talk, listen, you, you'll get edited off of Facebook faster for putting a Bible verse on there than you will a nude photo. 
Listen, that's the world we're living in. And, 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 and as we have Jezebels all across this land who's infiltrated the church and they're teaching us it's okay for you to have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend or both. There's preachers all across this land saying, live outside of marriage and it's okay for you to, to indulge in sin and cohabitate and try things out before you decide to get married. That's not how God designed it. And I'm telling you, I love you. I love you. That's why I'm telling you the truth. It is sin and it is a, it is a splinter in your finger and it's going to cause a terrible disease in your blood. If we allow false teaching and preaching to continue, he's got to correct it. He's going to have to correct it. The American church cannot continue to ignore the truth and just preach love. Love is being truthful with someone. I use this illustration a lot. And it's, you, you, we're standing out there in the hall, and you come out of that bathroom, and you got toilet paper hanging out the bottom of your britches leg. And you're walking around, talking and shaking hands, and there's a stream of toilet paper. Now, what kind of friend would I be to stand there and say, not my sin. I'm not, you tell her, I'm not telling her. You do you, baby. <laughs> and rock it. <laughs> no. Listen, somebody needs to say, hey, you got a problem. Ignoring it doesn't do away with the problem. It's still there and everybody sees it. We see three people in this passage. Got to hurry. <clears throat> Those people who committed adultery with her. We see there in verse 22. You see, says what he's going to do with those who committed adultery with her. Listen, the church is the bride of Christ. And when we go fooling around with the devil and, and sin, we're cheating on, on the one Savior that we have. And the church must remain faithful to the one that we are, we are bound to. The one. Not, we're not messing around. We, we, God has gave His life for us. And, we, and we, have, we have committed ourselves to Him. We can't be fooling around with the sins of this world, no matter how popular they are. Remember those eyes of fire? He sees it. He, he's, these, are, these are those who accept her and, and kind of like what she is teaching. They kind of like it, you know? So, so they just kind of slip around and, 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 oh, she's okay. You know, it's okay. You know, tell, tell us more. Uh, oh, the Bible didn't really mean that? Oh, it didn't really mean that? Oh, so it really means that this is okay? It's, uh, you know, I, I kind of like you. Can you come be our preacher? The church is the bride of Christ. We need to act like it. Um, the second person we see here is those who were her children. Now, it's not talking about literal offsprings of her, like physically she gave birth to them. When it says he's going to kill their children, he's not talking about their literal children, her literal children. A child is someone that you produce. Uh, so he's, he's saying those who have been produced by her teaching, those who, who are entrenched in her teaching, they were never God's Okay, those who are committing adultery, you can't, you can't cheat on somebody that's not your, your spouse, right? So he's not those are the church. 
uh, that are committing adultery here, they're not his children. They're not his. They never have been. They've never been Christians. They've never given their life to him. They, they've always been of the world. And when they heard, oh, we're going to have orgies and, and worship uh, Baal at the same time, they all in. He says, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to destroy them so that they don't corrupt my church anymore. And so that everybody, all the other churches can see, hey, I'm not fooling around. Third person we see, he says, he, he calls it the rest of you. He says the rest of you in Thyatira. In other words, those that aren't been cheating, and those who, not, not talking about those who are never my child, the rest of you. These are the ones who refuse to compromise. They said, hey, that's says the Lord. That's wrong, and I'm not partaking in it. And I'm urging you not to. Those who stood for the truth, those who had been faithful, those who did not join the cult of Jezebel. So when he talks about the secrets of Satan, there were cult, cults were very popular in those days, and one of the main things that they identified them as a cult is they had secret things. that every, every, You come join our group, then you'll have secrets that other people won't have. It, it was part of an allure. And he says here, those who don't know the secrets of Satan, it's, it's those who have been faithful. Last thing we see is the promise. Now, <clears throat> he's been pretty hard on the sinners. Uh, you know, we're all sinners. Don't, don't get me wrong. Y'all know I'm, I'm never going to sit up here and say, oh, we're a bunch of saints and we don't do nothing wrong. No, we're all sinners, okay? The, the difference is I'm, I'm, I have forgiveness for my sins and I have a relationship with my Jesus. And I try, I put forth effort every day to follow this word better. <clears throat> but now he's going to give them a promise. Notice this, verse 26. He's likely referring to the return of Christ to earth where he will set up reign and use his people to rule the earth for a thousand years. That is in Revelation. Okay? So verse 27 is a quote of Psalms 2.9. Notice verse 27. It says, um, And he will rule them with an iron scepter. He will shatter them like pottery. You ever feel like this world's just gone you ever feel like there's just no hope? There's no hope anymore. We've gone down a rat hole and, and, it, and it's a rabbit hole and it's never going to be better. We're just, everything's terrible. Listen, there's a lot. I, I, I've attended or, or preached two funerals this week of COVID patients. And, and I got another friend who, who's, they're just waiting on his family, hopefully, to get better from COVID so they can have uh, his funeral. Was, I read this morning, a friend of mine from out of town said they sent a two-month-old to, to Macon to the hospital this, this morning with COVID and struggling. There's a lots of heartache in our world. We, we read the news. There's terrible things happening all around us. And it's easy to say, Oh, woe is me. Everything's terrible. And he says here, listen, the day's coming 
when I'm, you're going to rule with me on this earth and, and there's going to be a new earth. And, and, and when there is, the evil will be smashed like a clay pot with an iron scepter. You ever seen a clay pot that could stand up to an iron rod? Absolutely not. If I had a clay pot here and I hit it with that iron rod, it will shatter into pieces. And Jesus said, if you'll just hang in here with me, the day's coming, I'm going to step out on a cloud and I'm coming back and I'm going to bring my people back and those who have suffered for me and who have remained faithful, they will serve with me for a thousand years and reign over the evil and the evil will be smashed to pieces and we will prevail. But we must remain faithful in the hard times like now when we're being bombarded with temptation to, to succumb, to just, let, to just say, well, it's, it's all okay. It'll be okay. Everybody's doing it, right? Look, those who truly place their faith in Jesus will follow his commandments. And they will, in verse 28 says, be given the morning star. What is the morning star? When does the morning star appear? Literally, physically, every day. It appears after the night. And right before the sun breaks, the morning star appears. It's a symbol that the darkness is over. And the light is coming. Revelations 22, 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jesus is the morning star. What does that mean? It means all this darkness that we're living in right now is fading away. It's coming to an end. There's coming a time where the sun is going to shine again on our place. And he's promised for those who remain faithful in him. Now, this isn't faith by works, okay? Uh, go read James. It's very clear. We, we don't get faith by works. We get faith, or we, our faith in Jesus is what brings us our salvation. But when we do that, we will have works. <laughs> you know, you, anybody ever told you, you, you you talk just like your daddy? Everybody say, you act just like your mom. Sometimes you're happy about that, sometimes you're not, right? Listen, you are a reflection of those who've influenced you. And if Jesus is influencing you, you're going to be a reflection of him. If the devil's influencing you, you're going to be a reflection of him. But Jesus says, I'm the bright and morning star. There's coming a day where he's going to step out on a cloud and he's coming back. The question is, when? We don't know that. He says, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Thief, you ever had a burglar text you? Hey, I'm on the way. OTW. You ever, you ever, you ever had uh, 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 working in a store and some shoplifter walks in the door and says, Hey, I'm here. Got my bag. See, it's empty. Not for long. No. A thief is surprising you. Jesus said, I'm coming like a thief in the night. We're not going to know. But there are some clues. We can look all around us and see them. They were winding it down. 
you know, you ever been out in the night, all night, outside, and notice how things start to get a little brighter? We're not quite there yet. We're in the real dark stages. But there's evidence that the bright morning star is about to start flickering. I want him to be found faithful. I want him to come back and say, Tim, I know it was hard. Like he did Ephesus. He said, I, I, I know it was hard. I know everybody around you had left. Like Elijah was the only prophet left. And I know all of the other ones have gone and served Baal. But I want, I want him to say, I know you. Turned your back on all of that. And you stayed focused on my word. And you preached it faithfully. And you lived it faithfully. Will you join me? Will you join me? If you'll stand. Listen, this altar's open. This is the time of the service where we give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard. From me, from the Lord. I hope from the Lord. But listen, will you join me? Here's my question. Number one, I've given my life to Jesus Christ and I've, I've chose to follow him and I've placed my faith and salvation in him. Will you join me in that? If you've never given your life to Christ, will you this morning come and get on this altar and say, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I have no way to heaven, Father, except through you. And then this morning, I'm placing my faith in you. Will you do that? Ask him to come into your life and save you and commit to follow him for the rest of your life. Or maybe you've already done that, but you've, you know, you're like this first people. You've started cheating with Jezebel. Just, well, you know, Hey, I believe in the Lord and I love him and you do with all your heart. But the world has slipped in and just kind of warmed up. And, 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 and when you, you back up and you look at your situation now, you recognize it's not who God called you to be. And that's not who you want to be. Will you come this morning? It's okay. It, it, it's, it's not acceptable, but understand that's, that's the hard the best thing is just come and admit it to him. He already knows. Just come and say, hey, God, forgive me and help me redirect and get back in line with you. Will you join me this morning in that? I just did that down here on the front row. As we sang that last song, I, I confessed and I asked God to forgive me of my sins as I do every Sunday before I take this pulpit. Will you do that with me this morning? Just move whenever you ready. Father God, I love you. God, there's people all across this room. I can see it. I feel it. You're calling to come to this altar and make a change. And they're afraid of the person next to them. They're afraid of the person across the room. They're afraid of what I might see and what I might think of them. And God, I pray that you remove all those excuses. Move them. Move them now to this altar, to their knees. God, help them to leave this place clean, caught up with you, with a newfound commitment to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Listen, God's grace and his forgiveness is abundant. Will you come now and receive it?